0: My is Amanda Van Annen, join me and my co-host, Chandra Lynn, as we take you beyond the beauty myth and get face-to-face with reality. This show covers most topics every modern woman wants to talk about, finances, relationships, wealth, personal development, branding, and how to find purpose and discover your true authentic self.
1: Hello, beauties. Welcome back to Beauty in the Beat. I'm Chandra, and I'm here with my co-host, Amanda. Hi guys. And we're excited to talk to you today about skincare and health and wellness. On our show today, we're talking to a true pioneer of skin wellness. So I'm super happy to welcome Dr. Cynthia Bailey to the show. She's Me a born... <laughs> yes, yeah, so good to have you. I'm excited to tell people about you. She's a board certified dermatologist. She's based in Sebastopol, which is in Northern California, wine country. You're so lucky you live there. Yep. I feel like I'm very lucky to live here. And I'm sure it's gorgeous today.
2: It is. Absolutely.
1: So from what I know about you, for over 30 years, you've helped more than 15,000 patients overcome all kinds of frustrating and embarrassing skin conditions. For example, rosacea, acne, melasma, and our favorite, sun damage. For for me, being born and raised in California, I have that. I, I get brown spots, all that. So I'm excited to talk to you about that. Also things, you know, dry wrinkles, dryness and wrinkles, I mean. And so I'm really excited to talk to you about an, uh, healthy anti-aging techniques. And um, I just wanted to tell the viewers, you know, imagine getting advice from someone brilliant that has done over 150,000 skin exams during her dermatology career. That's what you have access to today. So one thing that makes her unique is that she's a dermatologist. She's really one of the first dermatologists to incorporate diet and health advice, natural health advice into her dermatology practice. So that's why I know that you're going to get something unique and special with Dr. Cynthia Bailey today. So welcome to Beauty and the Beats. Thank you.
2: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks yeah. for inviting me.
1: Welcome. I love talking about skin, skin
2: wellness, skin health, and how it all relates.
0: Yeah, I look forward to hearing all about skin because I love skin. I'm a skin girl, and I believe like, everyone's skin should look like butter. So I am excited <laughs> to hear all you've got to say about skin. Good.
1: So Dr. Bailey, now I, I know that your practice had pivoted towards this natural wellness. Is there anything that brought that about in your career?
2: Well, it's actually how I started in science. So way back when I was 15, my interest was in becoming a scientist with a PhD that helped people understand the ramifications of their diet and bad diet and bad chemicals in their diet and how that impacted their health. As a kid, I noticed that what people were pushing in their shopping cart at the grocery store often paralleled how they looked to me. And so... You know, as I was a teenager, I read Adele Davis's book, Let's Eat Right to Keep Fit. I mean, I still remember the title of it. And I thought, wow, look at all that biochemistry. Science is really cool. And it explains health. And it parallels out in the grocery store when I'm waiting in line and looking at what's in the shopping cart versus how a person looks. And I want to look healthy. So I wanted to get a Ph.D. in biochemistry and work on nutrition. I ended up going to medical school. My plan sort of changed because I volunteered in a hospital and it was just such immediate gratification to help people in a hospital instead of spending perhaps 20 years doing bench research and then finding out that your research wasn't necessarily relevant because that could happen. And so I pivoted. I went to medical school, but I really started out as a health food health geek. And
1: kids used to tease me because I was kind of nerdy about it. I totally relate to what you're saying, because I know that when I'm in the grocery store, if I see somebody who's really fit, I like to see what they have in their cart. Yeah. And then if I see somebody who, who is not, it can make so much sense you know, as to what, what's happening. So do you take that to actually looking at their skin and not just kind of their overall fitness? Yeah. yeah, because over the years,
2: and even as a kid, but over the years as a dermatologist, I would notice people coming in with inflammatory skin conditions, rosacea, acne, psoriasis, eczema out of control. And I would look at their general physiology. I mean, as a physician, you can sort of tell. Do they look inflamed? Do they look like they have a pro-inflammatory physiology? And if so, how is that paralleling their skin? Or do they look not inflamed and have absolutely glowing skin, beautiful color, beautiful tone? And then as a dermatologist, I get to cut into them. And so what's it like when you cut into them? What's the texture of their skin? You know, is it mushy and weird or is it, you know, really healthy looking? How does their fat look? How does their dermis look? When you inject them with stuff, does it just go all and spread because the skin has no structural integrity to it? Or does their skin seem like it really has sort of good form? And so I think, Get to tell. And then also, you get to look under the microscope at their skin. After you cut stuff, you get to look at it and you can tell there too. So I get to put the whole picture together. And as a doctor, you get to ask really intimate questions because people want that. They actually want you to take a deep look at them and their life and their problem. And so I get to ask them questions. And over time, the correlation became really obvious to me. And so that's why I, you know, I incorporated diet and wellness into the care. But people don't want to hear that when they first come in. They really want you to give them a prescription so they can get better. It takes developing a relationship over time before you can start to say, I wonder how much milk and milk products you're drinking every time you get those ginormous acne flares that bring you in for injecting, you know, acne cysts the size of Jupiter. But at first they don't really, they're not there for that. They're there for just strict medicine. You have to kind of surreptitiously sort of open. I like to say I have to plant the seeds and it takes about two and a half years, whether it's sun protection or diet and wellness. Takes Mm -hmm. about two and a half years of me sort of planting the seeds.
0: I know I've been listening to a lot that you've been saying and obviously what we eat does have a huge impact on our skin condition. So obviously we must be getting the right nutrients, the right vitamins and all of this as well. And when you mentioned the book by Adele Davis, we recently had another guest, Desiree Lotts, who also mentions Adele Davis. I guess she must have been, yeah, she's she's, she's the same thing. She actually believes in, she has this CalMag formula, which is vitamin C and magnesium. And she believes people Uh should take Celtic salt because it actually has nutrients that could help that could prevent them from being dehydrated by water. Now, water is a very important thing for skin. And I know a lot of dermatologists tell you to drink water because it helps keep the hydration, it keeps the collagen, it keeps it plump. I wanna ask you now, (laughs) because we're talking about food. So I wanna ask you, first of all, does taking in things like collagen People say, okay, if you have collagen, marine collagen, bovine collagen, this will help keep the elasticity in your skin or ingesting things. I know we know about food and nutrients and nutraceuticals and all of that, but does taking an elastin or collagen or this really, does it have an impact on the skin?
2: Actually, sadly it does. And I'm not a supplement Mm -hmm. fan. So I have to say that I go into this a little bit kicking and screaming. I'm a whole foods fan. I like people to eat whole foods. I like food to look like it originally did. And supplements are very processed and they don't look like the food. And so I tend to gravitate away from recommending supplements. However, the scientific study has recently been done that shows that collagen powders, collagen supplements have chains of amino acids that end up in your skin and that are associated with building the collagen in your skin. And so I have to say that it does seem like it works and how, you know, really you think about it from an intellectual perspective and how is that different from eating a steak? I mean, a steak has an awful lot of collagen in it. So what's the difference? I can't answer that. And nobody's looked at a head-to-head comparison of steak versus the collagen supplements, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I actually prefer the steak myself, but I have to say the science has even had me tempted in looking at the collagen supplements. Now, I have to also say I did some research on this topic for an, a journalist, they they contact me to ask me for scholarly quotes for skin health articles. And so I did some research on it for I think it was Mind Body Green. And the vegan supplements don't have the evidence to support that they get there, but maybe they do. They just haven't been tested. The ones that have been tested are certain proprietary brands of animal-based collagen supplements. I don't want to miss the really great question of water, though. You started to talk about water, and it's one of my absolute favorite topics because so many experts tell you to drink water for healthy skin. And yes, it's important, but it's not going to hydrate your skin on the sort of level that we in modern society that aren't dying of dehydration are looking for. Because if, if it hydrated your skin sufficiently, then taking a bath would quench your thirst, and it doesn't. And that's because your skin is an excellent barrier. So the water doesn't actually get through your skin to quench your thirst any more than when you drink it. It gets all the way out to the part of your skin that you want to hydrate, which involves the epidermis and superficial dermis. So the epidermis is your top living cells. The stratum corneum is the dead cells above that. You want those babies hydrated. You want them plump. Otherwise, you have crepey skin. And so you're going to get them plumper if you actually sit in a bath than drinking water. You do need to drink water, otherwise you will become, you need to drink water because you want all of your nutrients sloshing about in a nice, moist, hydrated system. But for skin to actually be crepey from dehydration, you have to be massively medically dehydrated. And there we do, we take our skin and we pinch it and we look and see if it bounces back or not and that's that's a different level of dehydration and it doesn't apply to what we're looking for when we want pretty plump glowing skin that actually comes from our skincare
1: so when you come out of the shower and you're feeling all plump how do you hold on to that is it hyaluronic acid products is there does it some kind of oil barrier need to go on like what do you put on next Totally. That's exactly the way to look at it. So when you come out of the shower or the bath
2: or a swimming pool, I mean, I just swam laps for 45 minutes, got in my shower, and I know my skin is super hydrated and I am not letting that water go today. So (laughs) what you do is you within three minutes, because you're starting to evaporate the minute you get out of the bath or shower. So within three minutes, you want to do what you can to trap it. And you're going to trap it with things that hold the water from a molecular perspective. They bind it. Hyaluronic acid being the superstar for that. But you've got glycerin in there. You've got sodium PCA. So the hyaluronic acid binds it in the levels of your skin but the sodium pca and the glycerin actually cozy up to the protein and keep your protein hydrated too so your skin is made out of protein bricks and lipid and you want your bricks hydrated you don't want your bricks to get all wimpy looking and crepey looking so you want some hydrators in there for your bricks and then you want the hyaluronic acid which just hydrates everything and then you've got a trap the water by creating an occlusive barrier on top. And it doesn't have to be sticky and gross like coconut oil, for example. It can be a nice lotion that will help just prevent the evaporative process. It could also be glycolic acid, which has its own way of holding water and has its own way of creating your skin's hyaluronic acid production factory to make you some hyaluronic acid. And so you kind of want all of the above. And so for example, I just got out of the shower. What did I do? I put my hyaluronic acid sodium PCA glycerin serum called my instantly luminous serum on my face, which I love at 62, my skin just goes, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Otherwise I'm gonna be creepy all day long. So I put that on and then I put my a green tea antioxidant product on with more hyaluronic acid. Then I put my moisturizer on and I put a few drops, which has squalane and ceramides in it to replenish the lipid layer and a few drops of oil my face oil, which replenishes the lipid layer, and then a sunscreen on top with dimethicone that's sealing the deal even better. So I'm strategically layering ingredients to take that super hydration that I know I've got right now and keep it in place all day. And on my body, I did glycolic acid. So I put a heavy duty professional glycolic acid product on my body because it fights all those barnacles and age spots and crepey skin. The body skin is Harder to deal with than the face because it's thicker and tougher. So you have to approach it differently. You know, putting a hyaluronic acid serum on your body first would break the bank. And number two, your skin on your body is just tougher. And then you got barnacles and stuff. You got to get those guys off of there. So the glycolic eats them off. So that's my, I mean, that's, a. you know, I just literally got out of the shower 45 minutes ago.
1: So, and would you say that would work for everybody? Or I know for for the most part, you custom craft formulas for people. So what would, that's something that's it pretty. Works. What I just did
2: today would work for everyone, even sensitive skin, because I didn't, for example, put glycolic on my face. So if I'd have put glycolic on my face, I would have to add the caveat that that's not going to work for sensitive skin people, say somebody with rosacea, seborrhea, eczema. That would just be too much because it's an acid pH. Your body can handle the acid pH though. Now, if you have sensitive skin in your skin folds, maybe you don't want to put it under your skin folds. You learn pretty quickly where you don't put glycolic acid because you have immediate stinging. You wash it off. It's not the end of the world. And you move forward with that knowledge. You put it where you can tolerate it.
1: Boy, I love this little recipe for mornings and for when you get out of a shower or a bath or a a pool or something, especially with things like chlorine and stuff, you know, because I always always get worried about being in the pool or hot tub because I'm thinking that I'm really drying out my skin. But it sounds like this is a great way of kind of combating Mm -hmm. that and making sure that it's all good. Yeah, there's no worries. If you so, there's an, another misconception out there that bathing
2: is drying, but it's only drying if you do it wrong. Being in chlorine is only a problem for your skin if you don't wash it off. So, I get out of my chlorinated pool. My hair's a little green. I can't seem to fix that problem, but I get out of my chlorinated pool and I use an exfoliating cloth with an exfoliating cleanser. And I, so all that stratum corneum that maybe has a little chlorine in it, those dead skin cells, chow chow, bye bye, they're down the drain. They're gone, not a worry. And then I put the moisturizer on, the glycolic acid moisturizer on, and that's going to work all day to keep my elbows as soft as velvet and my skin really soft. My keratosis pilaris back here, you can see the redness. You can never get rid of the redness, but all the little bumps, it's as soft as, it's soft, really that's soft. Amazing. I've been married for 40 years and I still am soft as, yeah. as I'm told.
0: So Do you have a <laughs> formulation of glycolic acid? body lotion formulation, or do you yes. recommend they use something like Glytone or something? I've used Glytone, you know. Glytone is great. Glytone wow. is an excellent product. I have a product as well. So mine
2: and mine and the Glytone body lotion are equivalent with the exception that mine is the original Kligman formula that, pardon me, the original Van Scott formula that used an ammoniated glycolic acid molecule to get results. Glytone is using one with a sodium in it. So it's slightly different. Glytone is also a much heavier, thicker product. So the functionality, the efficacy, the results you get—the velvet elbows, the soft feet, the soft shoulders—that you know shed the light. All the stuff that you want—the eating off of your barnacles the eating off of your skin tags, the eating off of your age spots, all of that's equivalent in both of those. The glycolic in the um, glytone is a thicker product. So during humid weather, it feels, you know, did you notice Mm -hmm. how heavy the glytone feels? Well, mine is a lotion. Yeah, Yeah. mine's a lotion and it Mm -hmm. goes on and you don't feel like you've just encased yourself in a heavy product. And then I have a back applicator. It's just a simple thing, but you know, patients throughout the years, I need them treating stuff on their back and they can't reach it. You know, we get limited shoulder mobility. So there's a back applicator on the back. And I can tell you having done those billions of skin exams... That people's back, they don't know what's going on in the middle of their upper back. But if you wear a, a tank top or something, everybody gets to see that. Well, it needs to be addressed because it's not usually a pretty situation. And so you've got to eat your barnacles off there. You've got to treat your upper back dandruff there. You've got to treat your
1: blackheads there because they are there. And the person sitting behind you sees them. I just love how you describe things as so fun and kind of approachable, but especially like when you're talking about eating the barnacles off, because I didn't realize that it was that powerful. And I'm just curious, is it because these are products that you get from a dermatologist or because my understanding is that the difference between a product that I would be able to get through you, a real doctor and something I'd buy in a drugstore, for example, is the molecule size in terms of how deep it can penetrate into the dermis, is that true? Or what is the, the difference? chemistry? It's not
2: the molecule size. So glycolic acid is the smallest molecule in all the alpha hydroxy acid family. The alpha hydroxy acids include lactic acid, uh, mandelic acid, oh, there's another one out there people are using, but those other ones. So lactic is really good at binding water, but it's a larger molecule side, doesn't penetrate as well. Glycolic penetrates the best because it's small. And what it's doing, it's superpower in the alpha hydroxy acid family is it's a keratolytic. The word lytic means kabam, lice. So it lices, the adhesions, the connections that hold the dead skin cells together. And in a barnacle, they're all piled up on each other. So you've got like a little dead skin cell blob and you want to lice those connections so that it goes away, so that your skin is soft. And you got to go slow and you got to start easy. Otherwise, you're going to irritate those little guys and you're going to go, oh, my gosh, what have I done to myself? So you have to go low and slow. So you start like a couple times a week. And in the intervening times, you put on a regular moisturizer or if your skin is super sensitive. You can always do the math on the concentration so you can dilute your, say, 15 percent glycolic acid down with another product that you're using that's a plain lotion, and you can have a seven and a half percent. So you can do the math and then just work your way up in concentration so that you're using a higher concentration. But the chemistry aspect, so the chemistry aspect of the physician formulas, it's not the size of the molecule, it's the pH and the concentration. So a consumer friendly product, is not gonna be an acid pH that's gnarly. So you need your glycolic acid products to be like around four. Okay, that will sting. If you put that on a cut, you will wash it off. That's why I said with glycolic, if your skin folds are sensitive and they're too sensitive for a strong glycolic acid product, it'll sting immediately, you'll wash it off. You won't do that again. You'll learn where you can't put it. So we concentrate it high, it has to be 10% or higher. And so mine is 15% and it has to have an acid pH. You can have a 15 percent product without an acid pH. It's not really a functional 15. It may because that pH is what preserves the strength of the ability to lice. So you have to have 10 percent or higher acid pH if you want to blow up the dead skin cell layers, including
1: the, all those ones that are stuck on your icky barnacles. This is so important because I think we've all struggled with drugstore products that have Mm -hmm. lots of promises and really they might feel good for the moment, you know, feel hydrating or something, but really it's not making any transformation, right? And so that's what one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show was to talk about what really can be done. I mean, it sounds like a lot of this is DIY. It just happens to be that you are giving them the right products to use as well.
2: And the information. So the difference. So I was the first dermatologist to go on the internet way back in 2009. Now it's, you know, there's a lot of docs on the internet, but I also am the one with the most teaching content. So I've been writing two articles a week. I'm starting to take some of the old ones off. I've got thousands of articles and it's very difficult to maintain them all, changing the images and formatting. And so I've been teaching people across the world how I have treated my patients with these over the counter products since 2009. And you now can buy physician grade products on the internet. It used to be they were only available through physicians because like I said, glycolic acid can sting and people, if they're not being careful can't hurt themselves with it. So if they keep putting it on that irritated skin area they're gonna make a mess. So I've been writing the information to tell them If it stings, wash it off, don't do it. And trying to explain to them the what, the whys, the wherefores and the hows of using these products successfully. And I know that I've reached people from all over the world. In fact, I had one gal come in, I really should have written down, I'm not good at marketing and being a business person, it's just not my thing. But this gal came in to the office. She was interviewing for a nurse practitioner position up north here in Guernville. And she came in and she says, oh, I just wanted to meet you because when I lived in Sweden, so she's a nurse practitioner now, just trained at Stanford. She says, when I lived in Sweden, I read your blog post and you taught me more about skin health and skincare than my entire teaching program. And you fixed my skin and I just wanted to come in and meet you. Now I should have grabbed that. I should have grabbed that testimonial. Oh my gosh. Uh, instead, I was just so happy to meet
0: her, you know? That's awesome. I didn't
2: grab the testimonial. Yeah. So what I wanted the to website? ask another
0: question. Um, yes. Oh, sorry. Oh,
2: go ahead, Amanda.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to ask another question because a lot of what you talk about, including, because I, I know a lot about skin because I use a lot of skincare products. And thanks to people like you of, and reading research from dermatologists and stuff, I learned a lot about skincare. And, you know, Using glycolic, like I use a glycolic toner, so I uh-huh. use it every morning. I normally don't wear makeup apart from when I'm on camera. I think an important thing you were talking about there is exfoliation because yeah. what you know so when we use the word exfoliation. So, because what the glycolic acid is essentially doing is exfoliating, so that the actives or the ingredients can go deeper into the skin layers. Mm-hmm. Now. Yes there are several ways to exfoliate including scrubbing some people like to scrub every other day or every day one thing i wanted to ask you is there's a lot being sold on the market now you know when it comes to facial creams and moisturizers there are tons of them and they all claim that the ingredients go deeper into the skin they all say oh it's going to go under the layers and it's going to do this and it's going to plump your skin from the inside do you think i know there's a probably a tiny amount of this that goes into the skin but do you think that is possible and if it is how so you know so there's a couple points in there that are important in your question
2: your question you had a, you had some interesting points about exfoliation and there's again i try to teach people the basics based on the actual structure of the skin. So there's chemical exfoliation with glycolic acid, which is what I was talking about, where we're breaking the things that are holding the cells together with keratolytics. Keratin being the protein, lytic meaning basically to lice or explode. So glycolic acid is a keratolytic. Salicylic acid is a keratolytic. So those are chemically exfoliating our skin, whether they're on a leave-on product like your toner, the lotion that I'm using, or they're an in-office peel. That's one way to exfoliate. The other way to exfoliate is with physical exfoliation, like you mentioned, the scrubs. You can actually, a poor man's physical exfoliant is just buying a $5 facial sponge. You know, that's like the super cost-effective way to do it. You just use your regular cleanser and and a sponge and you're physically exfoliating. Or you can use granules. You can use sand you can i don't ever recommend people use things that are sharp like crystals of salt and stuff because those actually have angles and will cut the skin and then if you stick your glycolic acid toner on afterwards ouch that'll hurt so you know you gently physically exfoliate those will break down the skin barrier which is the stratum corneum to allow things to penetrate so again structurally your stratum corneum is dead skin cells Protein bricks mortared in with lipid and how much you exfoliate that will determine how much stuff penetrates through that. Cause that's really what keeps the water from quenching our thirst. When we take a bath, then under that is the living cells, the epidermal cells, which are transiting up to become your dead cells and Stuff gets through that better. If you abrade into that layer, you notice your waters are seeping out. So when you get like a rope burn or something and it goes in enough, your waters are seeping out. Or if you get poison oak and you get all those bubbles, those waters are seeping out. So the epidermis lets water seep out. It's more permeable. Below that is your dermis, which is the collagen. If you cut into that, you bleed. So that's how you know where you are. If you've exfoliated, then there's no water seeping out you're in the stratum corneum. If you've exfoliated or done something and your waters are seeping out and it feels a little damp to the touch, you're in the epidermis. If you've done something to yourself to the point where there's blood, you're in the dermis. So that's how you know where you're going. And the same holds true with skincare products. So depending upon how much of your dead skin cells you've taken off, depending upon what other molecules are in your formulation, hyaluronic acid, for example, in a multiple molecular size so hyaluronic acid can come as a big blob or littler blobs and they can carry stuff down so you can have a vitamin c product for example with some sodium hyaluronate or hyaluronic acid in it and it sort of says come hither, vitamin c let's go down into the dermis and try to make some collagen but you could also have a vitamin c product without any carrier technology in it and you can forget it. It's not going to do anything. So really the devil's in the details. And that's why when you see these product lines that are selling one single ingredient, you know, a hyaluronic acid serum. Okay, eight, that's cheap. So of course it's eight bucks because that's just cheap. It's a beginning product that you use to, it's a building block for making a complex formulation. So you have just one ingredient and you're like, oh, I'm using a hyaluronic acid serum. I'm doing the right thing. No. You need a fractionated multiple molecular weight hyaluronic acid serum to stratify through the stratum corneum of the top layer of the epidermis, the lower layer of the epidermis, and maybe even make it down into the dermis. And dang, if it can carry some vitamin C in there or some retinol or something, then you get extra points. So again, the formulation chemist is in control. And I've been blessed to be able to see the results on patients, which is what I translated into my blog because patient after patient. I have long-term relationships with my beautiful patients. And I got to see skin exam after skin exam, what our and their trial and error worked. And so I could see stuff that wasn't working and I could see stuff that was working. And they tell me things honestly, because I'm like a girl next door sort of person and I'm not intimidating. So I got to learn on all these people. And frankly, I wrote 15,000, but I actually have 40,000 charts in my electronic health record. So I think I lost count.
0: (laughs) I'm laughing because I think Chandra will be straight on your website after this. And Chandra, we can't hear you if you are (laughs) talking.
1: (laughs) My my mic's muted. Uh, I was just saying, yeah, absolutely. I can see just from the way you're talking, your expertise. And it's clear that you're able to to break it down in a way that's really approachable and Mm -hmm. kind of almost fun to learn about, actually.
2: Mm -hmm. And it is fun to learn about. I mean, I'm a science nerd. You know, I was going to go get a PhD in biochemistry. And then I pivoted and went into medicine because it was fun to help people immediately and have them say thank you. So I'm actually a nerd. I'm not really one of these kind of glamorous A lot of dermatologists nowadays look like pseudoplastic surgeons. I'm not. I'm a dork. I'm just a science nerd. And I love the structure of skin. And I love teaching people about the nerdification of it so they understand, so they make smart decisions and they're not dependent upon learning from the advertisers, which aren't actually telling you the truth. They're telling you a fanciful story to get you to click by now.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I loved is we talked about hydration early on and that was really great tip that ever, I think everybody can use regardless of skin type. Do you have anything else that you can offer or would it be better for us to bring up specific things that everybody deals with? I mean, you know, like anti-aging. Yeah, um,
0: let's do anti-aging. I, think, I anti-aging. think hyperpigmentation is a big one.
2: Yes. And hyperpigmentation is important too. Yeah. So anti-aging, and hyperpigmentation kind of go hand in hand because you end up with hyperpigmentation from sunspots. You end up with hyperpigmentation from melasma, which is because of, we now know that melasma happens because of sun damage. The skin that shows melasma also has the signs of sun damage under it. So it all kind of goes together. And so anti-aging skincare is where our skincare needs to start and it needs to start as young as possible. But for many of us, that's water under the bridge. I'm 62, you know, many of the the listeners here are probably past 13. And so, you know, the preemptive strike on anti-aging skincare was left up to the parents who may or may not have succeeded in chasing the child with sunscreen. So, you know, we have to do things that turn back the structural and molecular aspects of aging skin. And one really important thing is retinoids. So if you interview dermatologists, every dermatologist is going to tell you they sleep with a retinoid. We all sleep with retinoids. I've been sleeping with retinoids since I was 27. Retin-A came out when I was in my dermatology residency back in the 80s. And at first they were claiming some anti-aging efficacy and I'm like, nah, you guys have a financial interest in that. I'm gonna wait till you have some better studies. Well, they got the better studies. So I actually had to admit, and now they've worked out the mechanism really, really well. And retinoids actually turn off what otherwise is a cycle going all the time in the background of collagen destruction. Collagen and elastin are being broken down from one, I like to say actinic indiscretion in the sun a bobo, you didn't wear your sunscreen, you didn't put it on enough, you didn't reapply, you weren't perfect. There goes the cycle of collagen and elastin destruction and you need that to stop. Otherwise, it just keeps running in the background, spoiling your attempts of having better skin. And the the thing that turns that off is retinoids. So everybody should be sleeping with a retinoid on their skin. Now, it doesn't work on the body. Again, the body skin is just too tough, it doesn't get in in meaningful quantities. But for the face, the neck, the chest, and even the back of the hands, because that skin's usually pretty thin and usually parallels the same aging process as the face, the neck, and frankly, the ears. I didn't put retinoids on my ears all these years, and I have wrinkles on my ears. I didn't put my sunscreen on my earlobes either. I have wrinkles on my earlobes, but I don't have them on the rest of me as much. My earlobes, I neglected my earlobes, which is sad. I have
1: dark spots, I think, up at the top of my lobes, you know, from just the sun that hits the top of the ear.
2: Totally. When we wear our hair back like that, we have to think about this little place right here too, because I can't tell you how many women get skin cancer in here. Men for sure do. But women, they get skin cancer back here. And it's a little bit, it's not a bad place to work, but the skin's a little bit tough. So we, we wanna treat the face, the neck, and the decollete and the back of our hands. And we wanna be sleeping with a retinoid every night. They have to be put on at night because they're broken down by light. And really the top choices are tretinoin, which is retin A, which has been around forever, or retinol. And again, you want the highest concentration your skin will handle. You start low and slow. You work your way up. It's like a weightlifting program. You don't start with the 20-pound barbells if all you can do is three pounds.
1: That's hilarious. I feel like with retinoids, I I feel like I'm constantly shedding. <laughs> and, and I'll stop wow. using them because it's shedding. I need to get past that point. Is, is that possible to get past that point of, of just seeing all that shedding going on? Or we want, you that? want to figure out what's up with that.
2: So one thing that's up with that most of the time is that a person has a barrier problem on their skin. And again, I teach this on my website, I really try to create an understanding so people know. So for example, retinoids are going to unmask a barrier problem. Because they get through and they cause irritation. So the barrier problem is often seborrheic dermatitis or rosacea or both. So those are common conditions, especially in Celtic types, but every skin tone is predisposed to those. And those create an inherent perturbation of the skin barrier, also known as your barriers broken. And so the retinoids or the glycolic acid get in there and just do too much. And so you have to heal that first. So you have to heal that by being nice. And my green tea cream is super nice. Again, I discovered that by accident. I was using a green tea product on people kind of because I was curious about it and it was kind of for rosacea, but also sun damage leads to a lot of barrier damage and redness on the face. And I started noticing it was really healing the rosacea and the seborrhea. And also I was seeing fewer precancers because I document obsessively on my chart notes and people that would have 15 or more precancers where I'd be just freezing them all over the place. Now they were having like three and their rosacea was better. And the redness of their sun damage was better. And their seborrhea was better. And so you have to clear up any barrier issues. You have to be nice to the skin and do what I call a cool down before you can then sneak into a retinoid and maybe even a glycolic acid if you get yourself so healed. Although oftentimes you just have to go to the periphery here. Periphery is usually tougher than the central portion of the face where we have rosacea and subderm. Subderm is the dandruff. So that that could be part of the problem, or you could be just starting too high. And also with tretinoin, if it's tretinoin you're trying to use, you sometimes have to let your skin dry before you put it on. So if you have inherently sensitive skin, when you wash at night, you have to wash and towel off and put another moisturizer on or the green tea on, something like that, and then let your skin dry for 15 to 30 minutes before you put the tretinoin on and then you again, low and slow, you start with the lowest concentration of tretinoin, like twice a week. And then after your skin is sort of adjusting, you go to every third, you know, you go to three times a week and then you inch your way up. And if for any reason your skin gets irritated, you back off because otherwise it's like sticking lemon juice on a cut. And then you're going to snowball into an irritation reaction called an irritant dermatitis. And you're going to have to start over again. And then you figure out where is it that my skin won't tolerate it. Is it along here or so? There takes a little, a little ferreting out to figure out what the deal is. It's either that you're doing too much too fast, or you've got sensitive skin, or you're doing other things in your skincare routine that are irritating your skin too much, like too much exfoliation.
0: So I wanted to ask you as well because with the tretinoin, like I have a lot of tretinoin in my bathroom cabinet because I (laughs) bought it. Me too. But very powerful one, 0.1, I think it is. Like, you know, it's like yeah. a gel. Oh, you have the gel. Yeah, it, it looks like a gel. And I still have like five packs left. And I haven't used it in a while because originally I was using it for hyperpigmentation. So I'd put it on scars mm-hmm. and they'd peel and they'd peel and try and get them clear. But now you've talked about the hands. I think every night before I go to bed, I'm just going to put some moisturizer on, let it dry and then put the tretinoin over. So that, mm-hmm. that was a good idea because, or I don't know, I've tried it on my face before, but I not the leave gel is The gel wouldn't be my first choice. Yeah, so the gel. very so terrible. Acne, yeah. yeah, the
2: gel's for acne-prone people that are oil slicks and refuse to put a creamy mm-hmm. thing on their face. And the original tretinoin was in a mineral oil base, in a mineral oil base with parabens, actually. And the new tretinoins are not like that, but I prefer the creams and you can always take, again, just do the math. You take a 0.1% cream and you put one portion of that in your palm, another portion of a bland moisturizer, mix them together. And you have a 0.05. Mm-hmm. You do a, a one to four, you know, four parts, three parts, moisturizer, one part tretinoin, and you've got an O25. And you, that's starting at your baby strength and working your way up. But I prefer the cream. Actually, the gel is harsh. I don't know what's in the base of that particular
0: gel product, but there may be things that are drying like alcohol.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's a very common brand. It's the one that's sold on, I could get up and get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, another thing I do, which is I found this little, I wanted to ask you about is I actually sell these vials online. They're called nitrogen fluids and they're little hyaluronic acid vials that are sealed and what you do is you break them open because they're sealed, so you don't get any bacteria uh-huh. in them. And I use this little thing called a micropress. I pour the hyaluronic into this little micropress and on the top of the micropress are really hair thin needles. They're red- oh. But they're not deep. You can get them in different lens, but I use a very, I think it's 0.2 or whatever. And I tap it slowly into my skin and it creates little channels. So like you said, I see the redness. Yes. I don't really see blood because the needles are not too deep. So I press it into my skin, but I see the redness and it allows the hyaluronic acid to go deeper into the layers. And I do this about every three days. Yes. And I notice the difference. And Mm -hmm. if I do it for a month, I noticed a dramatic difference in my skin. And it's just glowing. Even when I wake up in the morning, the skin is just like shiny. And And it's a
2: controlled injury. So actually, you may even be stimulating some what we call reparative response, just like microdermabrasion or the dermaplane, and stuff like that. I mean, it's you're creating some in dermatology, we create purposeful wounds. And whether it's a face peel, whether it's microdermabrasion, whether it's a laser, we're actually... Wounding the skin to stimulate the collagen production process. And so you're poking the barrier at the skin, sort of injecting in a way or allowing to seep through and bypass the barrier, hyaluronic acid for the plumping aspect. But you're also creating a controlled wound that's probably stimulating a little res- reparative response. You're probably in the epidermis because you're not bleeding. If you were bleeding, you'd have make it, made it into the dermis, which the bottom of the epidermis actually wiggles like this. So you can hit a top area with a little capillary in it and still sort of be at the same plane. But it sounds like you would have droplets of blood if you were hitting the dermis. Yeah. So
0: it sounds like, a, you know, just make sure it's clean. Just make sure it's yeah. clean. The little, <laughs> the little vials come and they're sealed. So you open one. And you open a new thing and you pour the liquid in and then you seal it and then you tap it all over your skin and it's good. Important. And the little poke thing is also sealed and opened because yes.
2: that's important because yeah, you really don't want to. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: you don't want to bypass your protective barriers with mm. something that's not clean because yeah. that could give you an infection and/or you might need a tetanus shot. <laughs> so,
1: so back to the brown pigmentation. I I'm curious, is this old sun damage coming up because I've done things like laser microdermabrasion, or peels and it'll look good for a while. And then, you know, the Brown will come back. And so I'm wondering, is there anything to that where it's still old sun damage coming out? Or at what point am I, have I caught up with myself and can treat it permanently?
2: Once you've damaged your skin, you will make sun freckles, solar lentigines, with any actinic indiscretion. So it's not like before you made them, your skin just is going to make them. If your sun protection and your skincare routine is really good, then you won't make them. And it's how you can tell. So it becomes a barometer for you to use to tell if your skincare routine is suppressing melanin production enough. And you want to hit that from many different angles. You know, you want to use hydroquinone, if periodically, not always, you want to use a retinoid, you want to use glycolic acid, you can use vitamin C, you can use niacinamide, things that turn down pigment. There are also botanicals, arbutin, togic acid, etc. So if pigment's a really big issue, you want to try to turn your pigment production down, but also your sun protection needs to be 100% perfect. And that's actually really hard and it also involves with hyperpigmentation and melasma for hyperpigmentation from solar lentigenes and from melasma, you have to block visible light. And that's not your SPF doesn't tell you if visible light is blocked. You need to know that you're using something with 3.2% or more iron oxide. See, I'm such a dork. I even know the percent, but so you want 3.2% or higher iron oxide on your skin every day. And even if a product says that it has iron oxide, you don't know what the percentage is unless they wrote it on the bottle or somebody like me knows. So, your sunscreen might have it, mineral makeup is often, you know, high iron oxide and powdered sunscreen. So I have a powdered sunscreen that's a great topper and it's also a good refresher for, you know, say you're out at a cafe having a beautiful life. You're sitting outdoors, you know you're getting, you're of course in the shade because you would not be one of those people that would be in the sun because who are those people anyways? Did they not get the memo? So you're of course in your deep shade, but you know those rays are bouncing off and they're still getting you. I have these little UV detector uh, beads that can go, that go on a key ring. I sell it for like, I don't know, three bucks or something. And they're not like a medical instrument. They're actually a kid's teaching toy that I sell with a keychain. And they'll turn color about 50,000 times with any UV ray hitting you. And you bring those to that cafe and you're like, oh my gosh, I thought I was in the deep shade and I thought that awning over me was good. But no, look, the beads are pastel colors. I'm getting ultraviolet light, which will darken your freckles. So you know if your freckles are getting dark, your sun protection is not good enough. And your um, anti-aging skincare for turning down pigment is not sufficient for your skin's inherent tendency to make those doggone freckles.
1: You know, all of this is just summing up for me that how important it is that you pick the right products and know how to use them in the right sequence with the right carriers and things like that. So I guess I want to wrap up in talking about how would anybody listening get started on this journey of using the right skincare? Because I feel like there's a lot of money probably being wasted at, oh, at drug stores and, and even makeup counters and things trying to get the right yeah. products. And the great thing about the geeky aspects of what you're talking about is that, you know, you're suggesting very specific strategies that are, that's a methodology, methodology based in science and it, it, these are real answers, you know, and I think yeah. we're, everybody's ready for some real answers here on what they should be doing. Yeah. And if it can come in a kit and it's at a reasonable price, I'm all in, <laughs> like, just yeah. let's make it happen. So what, what do you recommend for people to get started? Would they need to have an appointment with you? What is it something you can do online? No, I'm entirely accessible and free.
2: I was just inspired to write all this stuff down starting in 2009 and it's free it's on the internet. I see other people copy it but I've been doing it since 2009 and I love teaching. I absolutely love teaching. So, I have a way to help people understand their skincare routine. I call it complete skincare and it involves cleanse and this is what I had done for patients for many years and that I realized in retrospect, gosh, All these notes I've been writing for my patients about what goes on when boil down to four simple steps. Cleansing your skin, and that means picking the right cleanser for your skin type. You know, if you have oily skin, you're going to need a zestier cleanser. If you have sensitive skin, you need a pH balanced cleanser that's not going to irritate. Correcting, which is The things that you put on your skin to fix problems, be it hyaluronic acid for crepey skin, retinoids for anti-aging, pigment reducers for hyperpigmentation, glycolic acid for the anti-aging benefits and the hyaluronic acid stimulation, acne treatment medicines, rosacea treatment medicines, antioxidants, that's correcting step. Hydrating, which is the moisturizing step where you're sealing the deal to prevent moisture evaporation to keep your skin hydrated and the barrier healthy so that you don't end up with a weakened barrier that then sets you up for irritation and problems with your skin. And then protect, which is your sunscreen, which, of course, you don't need to use when the sun is down. So so in the at nighttime, it's just three steps. During the day, it's four steps. And products only cover two steps. There is never, and they never jump a step. I realized this. You can have a cleanser that corrects but you're not going to have a cleanser that moisturizes. If it claims it moisturizes, just go la la la. That's just fancy pros. They want my money. Ignore it. And you're not going to have a cleanser that protects and you're not going to have a really good correcting product that also protects. So any sunscreen that's claiming to load you with antioxidants and all, no, it's got 20% zinc oxide in there or something. There's not enough room for other stuff. And or if it's a chemical sunscreen, it's so darn fragile. They shouldn't stick anything else in there because it. So you can't jump steps. You can maybe do two steps. You can have a glycolic acid moisturizer that corrects and hydrates. So those four steps, and then you match it to your skin type and you pick a brand or an expert that you trust. And if all else fails, go to my website, put your condition or question in the search bar, and you're gonna come up with more information than you ever thought you'd find. And I try to explain it. I just try to explain it and I create kits where I I sort of take the guesswork out of it for people. So I have my entry kit is my complete skincare kit with a pH balanced, gentle cleanser, green tea, antioxidant product that has the equivalent of 500 cups of green teas, pharmaceutical stable green tea, the right antioxidants in it per ounce of cream. You'd have to drink 500 cups to get that. I mean, it's like, you know, it bypasses physiology's ability to stick green tea, antioxidants in your skin, the right moisturizer, and you can pick for the oily skin or the dry skin, and then the right sunscreen, which is a zinc oxide-based sunscreen. You always want zinc oxide-based sunscreens. Don't ever do chemical sunscreens. And so, you know, that's an entry level. Then I've got an anti-aging kit where you can add some anti-aging things, again, based on your skin type. You know, I'm always experimenting and trying to make it more accessible for people because I learn from my customers based on their questions, where did I miss filling out a blank that somebody had in their mind? How do I need to tweak this system a little bit better? So I've been doing this since 2009, learning how to teach people using only the internet, how to understand their skin problems, how to craft a skincare routine that addresses them. And the, the lovely comments people send me make me realize that I'm succeeding all over the world with this You know, little Cynthia Bailey. Dr. It's Bailey. fantastic.
1: And I want to share your URL. So I have exactly. drbaileyskincare.com. Is that right? Because I can spell it out yes. for everyone.
2: Yes. And it's D-R for doctor. So D-R-B-A-I-L-E-Y com. So drbaileyskincare.com. And there's a search bar up there that We're on a Shopify platform and their their search is really good. So you can say you have rosacea, you can type rosacea in there, or you can do shop by condition rosacea, or you can go to my advice pages on rosacea. I have a ton of information on rosacea, a ton on seborrhea, a ton on anti-aging. I have a slightly different anti-aging bent for men because they tend to not like to layer a lot of products. And so, you know,
1: kind of, yeah. And I've been doing this since 2009. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much for all this content. And I mean, it's available for free on drbaileyskincare.com. We'll put it in the show notes as well. And if you guys are watching this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to us and like the page and comment, you know, tell Dr. Bailey how much you appreciate this content and then go to her site and her social pages and engage and we'll provide links and everything to that. But it's just an amazing resource and we're so honored to have you on the show.
0: Yeah. And it's one last
1: question.
2: Question. I, I love talking about well. skincare
0: with people that are into it. So I wanted yeah. to ask you one last question. Um, cause uh-huh. I've been thinking about it since we've been there are two questions, actually one, how long do moisturizers last on the skin? You know, cause all these moisturizers claim they have active mm-hmm. ingredients, but I hear some people say it's five minutes. Some people say it's 10 minutes. So from the moment you put the, the stuff on your face, how long do the ingredients keep on working? So that's an excellent question.
2: Basically, people make that stuff up. Nobody (laughs) studies it. Every different product, nobody studies it. So people just make that stuff up. It's the content of great humor. Nobody knows. But if you read the ingredients, you can kind of tell. And again, it also depends on how hydrated your skin was before and what other products you've layered on. So if you put something on that blocks the absorption of other things, that moisturizer may not even get through that much, or it might. And then there's, moisturizers can be lotions, they can be creams, they can be ointments, they can be oils, and there's no definition for any of that, but basically lotions usually have more water than creams, ointments have no water, and oils have no water. So The term moisturizer varies so significantly. You basically can tell the good news about your skin is it's on the outside and you can always tell. And you, you know, if you feel like your skin is dry, then you need a different product because frankly, you shouldn't have to mess with your skin more than morning and night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. the second question I had was refrigeration because you know, now they sell these little fridges yeah. you can put in your bathroom yeah. and how is it important to refrigerate your moisturizers and toners? Only, only if they're completely unpreserved and
2: the ingredients are unstable. Okay. So preservatives keep your products stable at room temperature to varying degrees. And you know, parabens worked great but they're totally out of favor. Some products are not preserved at all, but they're quite stable. So, for example, jojoba oil is a very stable oil, but avocado oil is not a stable oil. So if you have a face oil that's got a large proportion of a stable oil combo in it, it's going to be fine at room temperature by the time you use it up in six months or two months or whatever. If you're inherently starting with, I mean, think of it like mayonnaise. How long would you keep mayonnaise out of the fridge? Meh very long but you can keep your coconut oil out of the fridge in your pantry and you know it's fine for a really long time and the preservative systems are becoming people are wanting uh, less robust preservative systems and you know the preservative because you look down at the bottom and those things that sound like chemistry at the bottom are usually your preservative systems and so depending on the preservative system and how fragile the ingredients are a fridge may
1: or may not be
2: necessary but they are trending Thank you so much. If it's in
1: a dark brown bottle, does that mean it's light sensitive? Yeah, that's preserving from light.
2: Uh Uh-huh. But one of my favorite things to sort of have fun with is, I won't name it, but there's a very popular vitamin C serum out there that says on the back, it's in a brown ball and it says on the back that vitamin, it's normal for vitamin C to turn amber colored. That's just part of what it does. I think I know the one they, you're talking about. They didn't finish as it's dying. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> called oxidation. It's dying. I love it. And that's a super expensive, super reputable product. I'm I not going I I can can to say it. I
0: can, I can say it. I know which one it is. It's skin suture. Yes,
2: it is. And they even say <laughs> on the back, they admit it. This is normal for vitamin C. Yes. As it's inactivating and dying, so that $175 you just spent and that stuff's amber colored, oh, please tell me no. <laughs> it just It's, you know, there's so much in skincare. There's a lot of money to be made in skincare and there's a lot of creative fictional pros. There's a lot of hope. We're all trying to take really good care of ourselves and we're trying to do the best that we can. But there's somebody making money at the end of the day. And they may or may not have your best interest in heart.
0: Thank you. Well, I That's love all I
1: arrived- the free information that you're providing to everybody. Yeah. And I know that that is a great place to have everybody start. You know, plug in the challenges that you have had and search for it and see what kind of advice. And then Dr. Bailey's available by appointment for those of you who need one-on-one specific advice. And um, I'm I'm actually, definitely gonna check out your kits because I think actually, that would- I'm checking out the kits. I'm buying that Our customers,
2: thing. I actually will talk to them on the phone about their skincare. No practicing medicine on the phone. But you know, if people are buying my stuff and they're struggling with it, I talk to them. That's mm-hmm. So so awesome. It's it not not an so There's no charge. I'm a little bit
0: crazy. Thanks for being <laughs> I love so available
2: what you and <laughs>
0: I said she loves what she does. You're just very passionate. I love it.
2: I love I love what I do. I love helping
1: people and I love skincare. It's fascinating for so many reasons. Well, you not look just amazing. So I um <laughs> next week I'm turning 51 and I hope that by the time yeah, I yeah, by the time I'm your age, man, I'm th- maybe this is gonna give me hope to look like you. Exactly. Well, that's all on my website. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we'll send everybody there. And again, everybody, it's drbaileyskincare.com. D R B A I L E Y skincare.com.
0: That's right. And thank you All very right. much for coming on the show.
2: Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Chandra. It thank was you. lovely.
1: Thank you. Have a All great right. day.
2: Bye bye.